This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit subscribe, share this with your team, and let's join Pastor Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Welcome back to season four of the Leading Second Podcast. I'm so glad you're here for another great conversation. My name's Clark. I'm one of the team members. I'm so honored to be part of what God's doing in and through the local church. And uh, so glad you found this place wherever you're at. We've got people all around the world um, trying to do it right trying to build the church. So you're not alone. We're praying for you. We're rooting for you. Before we get into the interview, we had a listener question come in, and I think you'll really want to tune in. Let's jump in. All right, well, I'm talking to my good friend and fellow leading second team member here, Taylor Priscilla. Say what's up to everybody, Taylor. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hey, we love you, of course. Love your house. Love that you're on our team and, and in our world. And um, love uh, all that God is doing through you guys at Genesis. Why don't you share with everybody a little bit more about you? Yeah, that's great. Hey, well, first, uh, thanks so much for having me today. Feels uh just, I'm so honored to be on the show today. Uh, I lead at Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington, as the operations executive. You run the joint. <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely that. It's definitely that. But uh, you're a great, great second chair leader. And you sent a question in the other day when we were asking about this, and I thought this one was brilliant. This one was a. Uh, this one got me. I had to put some thought into this one. So why don't you share your question with everybody? Yeah. uh, My question is, how do you lend the credibility of your pastor with people that you lead or influence without abusing his name or playing the pastor card? (laughs) The pastor card. Pastor says. (laughs) Yep. Man, uh, I don't know if you are a second chair leader, if you haven't been in that situation or done it, you know, pulled pulled the pastor card before. Uh, I thought this was so good. So relevant to where I think a lot of us live, Taylor, you know, the reality is that the pastor card gets pulled a lot of times, I think because as second chair leaders, we can experience a resistance or, or feel like we experience a resistance with people sometimes that our pastors don't Right? you know, people, people, well-intentioned, great, awesome, wonderful people can still feel a little bit more apprehensive sometimes when they don't know it's coming from the top, right? I think you've probably experienced that if you're listening today and and in the second chair. And so, you know, what we're talking about is is 
the resistance that we feel. And of course we want to be, uh, the kind of leaders that don't have to, uh, invoke that name. In fact, I, I think one of the greatest things we can do as, as leaders in the middle of stand in for our pastor, you know, be in and lead in rooms that he or she does not have to. I mean, a couple quick thoughts come to my mind. I mean, first of all, I think it's, it's so important when we are leading in the middle to connect people to the bigger picture of the house and not just any man or woman. And that includes our pastors, you know, so so connecting people to the why connecting people, of course, to Christ, to, to, you know, scripture and our, our, our biblical mandate and heritage. And I mean, I think there's some really big places you can anchor your ask in, you know, when you, when you're making your request of people, I also think too, it comes down to, um, over time as a leader in the middle, you developing a core of competency and consistency with people, you know, that people, people view you with, with, um, you know, through the eyes of credibility, that you're a credible leader to them and that you even have some past wins as a leader in the middle that you're standing on. And I think over time, I mean, I'm saying this as a 40 year old leader, I've been leading in the middle now for, for quite a while. And I will say it gets better. You know, the, the, the more W's I get under my belt, the easier my requests are of people. So sometimes younger leaders just need to hang in there a little bit, you know, and realize that growing your competency, um, over consistency and over amount of time is, is important and it will get easier. So I think Taylor, those are some of the, the quick bullet points that come to my mind, but here's where your question led me. And I think this is maybe the real wrestle for us in the middle. I, you know, I think we can all do our job to grow our competency. And I think, you know, cast vision well, Here's the question I truly believe that we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us with. The the question I think that we really need to wrestle with, and that would be this question of what is it in me that even makes me feel I need to play the pastor card? I mean, I think that really gets us to the bottom line. Why do you feel you need to? You know, you're just because someone tells you no, or isn't all in, but by the way, I want to remind everybody it happened to Jesus himself, Jesus himself with the rich young ruler. He asked the rich young ruler to join his team. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler walked away sad. So just remember when you hear a no, uh, it happened to Christ himself. So maybe we should all get a little more comfortable in our own skin. You know, when we don't bat a thousand with enlisting people into vision or onto our team in some way, But I think maybe it just brings me back to the place of God. What is it in me that leads me to where I even feel I need to play the pastor card? Am I feeling insecure in this moment? You know, or am I lacking confidence right now? I'll bet, Taylor, I'll bet God will give us some wisdom if we ask. I bet God, um, by his spirit, would really reveal some things of our motives and our hearts and our lives. And maybe that's what every leader in the middle could take away from this little segment would just be a moment or a time with God to maybe just say, what is it in me that maybe causes me to lack confidence? And, um, maybe that would be the starting point before we get to the other answers. Maybe that's the baseline that we need to establish. And, uh, 
I feel like you've left me with more of a question myself <laughs> than an answer because I do this as well about home church. So uh, I think it was a great question, Taylor. Thanks so much for it. So good. Thank you. today's interview, I'm very excited and honored to welcome Pastor Marcus and Pastor Evan from Seven Hills Church to the podcast. Brandon sits down with both of them to talk about leadership development. So without any more delay, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Pastor Marcus, Pastor Evan, so good to be uh, talking with you guys today. Welcome to the Leading Second podcast. Glad you guys are here. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's an honor. I can't wait. Excited about the next few minutes. Absolutely. And, and Marcus, you're actually among, I mean, a handful of the first people I ever met in ministry. I felt like when I was a youth pastor in Minnesota, uh, you were a youth pastor, I want to say in Georgia at the time. And we had you out to something, uh, and where we have friends, friends everywhere. And I just want you to know for a long time, I've really respected you. I remember when we had you at our church, you telling me, man, there's this church in Kentucky that I think I'm going to go pastor. And I remember, I remember the restaurant we were in. I remember you sharing that and to see what God has done over, I guess, a couple decades now, almost. Um, I just want you to know, we love you and, and respect you the highest level. Thank you. Thank you. I, re I remember that church. I, I totally forgot you were the youth pastor there. I, I, every now and then I'll remember, uh, raising, we were raising money for like a youth center that week. And I'd never been to the church and they wanted me to raise money, <laughs> raise money was why I was there, which is never usually the best way to make first impression. I, but I remember that part of it. So I was asking me where we met. I thought we had met at the Champion Center, maybe. Uh, maybe we had, maybe we had, and and you've of course been here, been here before as well. Well, awesome! But, Thank you. Almost almost twenty years. Pretty pretty wild. Yeah, that that's that's incredible. And Evan, tell us a little bit about about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I've uh, been on staff here six years. So now the business pastor started off with small groups. So that's a whole another story. Uh, but me and my wife are on staff. Love it. Um, served here for a long time before coming on staff full time. Started off in the college ministry, then small groups. And now the role has evolved. So I have a corporate background, uh, played college football, and just love what God's doing here at Seven Hills. And of course, we have the best pastor in the world. So so easy to work for him and his team. And uh, again, the church is booming. So just to see the fruit of our labor and what God's doing is so contagious. And I'm so glad you're on the call today. You, you, I remember meeting you. You have an incredible spirit and you really, you model and you, you walk out well. I think what we're trying to paint here with leading second, you know, how we can hold our, hold our pastor's arms up well. So love how you lead. And, um, we're just going to have an open free flowing conversation today. I want to want to talk about developing leaders. Um, I started doing some research pre COVID. Of course, none of us knew COVID was a thing, uh, you know, 15 months ago, but, um, started doing some research and it was pretty staggering to me, um, how, uh, leaders in the, in the local church in North America, at least, uh, seem to not understand or feel confident in what a good target looks like for developing leaders. I feel like it's a conversation we need to have because I believe the local church needs more leaders and better leaders, uh, to, to help us move forward out of this season. So I just want to chase that down today and, and search for some wisdom. And, and, uh, I remember about a year ago sitting with you, Pastor Marcus at a restaurant 
uh, we caught up, we were in the same city at the same time and had a version of this conversation. And I just want to hear what's on your mind currently and what you guys are doing currently just to kind of raise up the next generation of leaders for your church. And maybe some leaders can find some wisdom. First things first though, we've been in a very unique season and a season like none other. And everyone's talking about the church is recalibrating right now and shifting and changing. I would just love to hear you guys talk for a minute on what do you feel like is recalibrating right now in the life of the local church? Uh, So this is how I'm communicating COVID that Anybody that's paid too much attention to it, um, I've not seen produce a ton of fruit, right? So people that, that are all about what's changing, what's new, what's different, how are we going to do it? Are people going to come back to church? I've not really seen them progress through this, right? It's almost like they've been paralyzed. I was talking to Willie George um, right after COVID started. He said, how are you doing? I'm like, we're doing great. And he said, that doesn't surprise me because you're a youth pastor. You guys, uh, youth pastors have a nature of learning just to shift and change and make work whatever they're handed. And I'm like, I I never really thought about that. But the point is, as I tell these guys almost every week, ignore COVID. We do the basic things, you know, masks when people come in, uh, you know, we social distance. We, we have, you know, these backpacks, these like, literally stormtroopers walking around with like little things to spray the building. <laughs> we do all that we can do, but at the end of the day, we're, we're ignoring COVID. We've not changed one thing about what we do, where we're going. Uh, we've not slowed down. We've not said, well, we're not going to make any hires just in case we've not said we're not going to, we, we've cast vision more than we ever have. Um, we've, uh, focused on growth more than we ever have. We focused on winning souls more than we ever have. We've we've literally gone for the fences more than we ever have, and we've just made a decision. You know, like you know, at, at the end of the day, I can't do anything about COVID. So, so what I can do something about is is choose what kind of power it has and influence it has over where we're going. And last time I checked, you know, vision really considers the environment, you know, it considers that, you know, all the factors, but at the end of the day, the vision, you know, is, is not necessarily dependent on everything being perfect. So if we, you know, what's that, what's the Bible say? It's like the guy that's always like, Oh, well, I would go, but the lion's in the street. Oh, I would, but you know, it's like, you, there's always a reason not to. And I think we've just said, let's just keep going. Let's move forward. So, what do we see changing? What do we see different? What do we see all that stuff? That's for somebody way smarter than me to figure out. What I do know is that people are hurting like, like uh, more than they ever have been. Um, people are uh, needing the gospel more than they ever have. And, uh, hmm. and a church that's just willing to, you know, to embrace what, what this is and say, we're moving forward. So what you're telling me is that God's plan may be bigger than COVID, I guess, is what I'm hearing from you. <laughs> you know, that the it is bigger than COVID. I mean, it, you know, it's, I, I get it. I understand it. I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying that, that, you know, we, without question, we don't shame people that can't come back. You know, we're really big about, you know, encouraging people to make the decision that's best for them. Some of our greatest people haven't returned yet. And, and we celebrate sure. that. For that, sure. encourage that. Um, however, every week we also rejoice and celebrate the people that it's their first week back since the pandemic. 
And so for us, it's, it's, you know, it's little by little, we're getting back uh, the people that had, had left because of COVID, you know, they, they've been at home or whatever. And, and we're also reaching people that we probably would have never reached without COVID. So. So good. I, I love your confidence. I receive it. And uh, I think that's probably a place we really need to return to after, um, after this season, you know, today um, I'm just really, really passionate in this season about leadership development. And I want to, through leading second over the course of time, really arm churches with some greater handles on how do we, how do we find leaders? How do we cultivate? What are the environments look like that do cultivate them? How do we empower them? into greater levels of ministry. So that's just kind of where I want to head today. And um, I'm going to open up with, with kind of this question to both of you and let you just kind of go, go how you will, you know, leadership is a tricky thing in our culture right now. There's a lot being said about leaders. Leaders are often, or people in positions of authority are often painted as it's not always something desirable, I guess, you know, our, our culture is having a lot to say about leaders, but we really believe that that leaders are essential to the local church. That that um, that it, it's a good thing, and our churches uh, need clearer and better targets for developing leaders. So, I guess to get us started, can you speak to the importance of developing leaders in the church, and and um, I guess why this conversation is necessary for us right now? I mean, I, I think that what you nailed was, you know, there's this idea that, you know, that all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's this, all these issues with leaders, right? But if you just study the Bible, there's always been pockets of people that believe that they know more than the people that are in leadership positions. And it's not even always that they're not right. What makes a leader important is not the position, right? If I, if, if, is the pastor of seven Hills. What makes me important at seven Hills is that I currently carry that role. The moment I don't carry that role anymore, I'm not important at seven Hills anymore. So I'm not the important one. The role is, uh, the assignment is, um, hopefully the divine grace of God on me to lead and shepherd this church. That's what's important. And so though I take my job really, really serious, I don't take myself incredibly serious. And I think when you look at the problems in our culture, you know, it's the local church's fault. We're terrible at identifying the qualities and characteristics that God actually says we should look for before we elevate people into mm. high levels of, of influence. Um, we, we don't seem to have a rhyme or reason for why we do it. The non-denominational world is, is, um, is really plagued with uh, looking at the most bizarre things when it comes to giving a finger to a guy and saying that guy should have influence in our world. And, uh, and then we point all these people to these unproven leaders. You know, you set the grandfathers of our faith, like Tommy Barnett on the front row at a pastor's conference and say, sit there and listen to a 20 year old, 25 year old. You know, a guy has been pastoring eight months or whatever because he's got a bunch of followers on social media. I'm not mad at the people <laughs> I have followers. What I'm saying is at some point we got to think about this, you know, that the Bible is pretty clear. You know, that the, the, the older men teach the younger men, 
right? We, we have to, why is there a lack of respect under us, right? In the generation coming up, because there's not been a respect going up. I mean, the generals are the generals, the heroes of the faith are the heroes so of the faith. Good. My senior pastor wouldn't have sat down with Oral Roberts, even though Oral Roberts was nothing like him and tried to teach Oral Roberts what he doesn't know about the world. It doesn't matter how different they are. It doesn't matter what different generation they come from might be. No, he's sitting down with a general. He's sitting down with someone that, that pioneered away, right? That's who he's sitting down with. He, he shows honor. And that was passed down to us as well. So I, I think that, yeah, there's dishonor, but it's, it's our fault. It's our fault there's a lack of trust. It's our, it's our fault there's a lack of confidence. Um, you know, I, I preached a message years, uh, not years ago, this year called um, King in a Week. And it goes back to the story of King Saul and how God told King Saul or told the children of Israel that he didn't want the king. And they keep pushing, you know, we want a king, we want a king. So God finally says, fine, you can have one. And the Bible says King Saul goes from searching for a donkey uh, to, to Samuel finding him, hanging out with a, prop, a bunch of prophets for a night to being the king of a nation in one week. He goes from a nobody <laughs> to a king in a week. And if that was in our day, if that was in our day, and this is, the, this is what the Bible says about King Saul, that God regretted giving King Saul the throne. But if that happened in our day, if that happened in our day, we would write that on the front cover of a book, King in a Week, how, how to become uh, the greatest leader oh my gosh. in a week, how to do it. You would have just flipped through the chapters. We, we would have had to, and it would have been a New York Times bestseller. We would have put him on every major Christian TV program. But David took 21 years. Wow. 21 wow. years before he became king, king over Israel. And if you follow his path, it's a path of betrayal. It's a path of rejection. It's a path of being overlooked by his dad, by his brothers, by his father-in-law, by his wife. You, you follow, who wants that path? You know the answer? Right, right. Nobody. Right. So, yeah, we have a problem with, with how people view leaders, but it's because the leaders have a problem with what we place value on, right? We place wow. value on these strangest things. In our own life, what we compare ourselves to are not the people that are proven. We compare ourselves with somebody that's a, a, a flash in the pan, you know, overnight success, and I'm not mad at that. Thank God for it. Thank God that he raises people up. Thank God that he, he does that. But if you study the scripture, that's not necessarily God's way. Yep. So you see that that's not God's way. God's way is process and time, you know, right? Tons and tons of time and pressure, improving yourself and serving your way into pockets of influence. And uh, we don't, we don't, we just, we've lost our way. So good, good for the world. Good for the, the church culture that, that's saying, Hey, we're done. We're done with the local church. This, this is not good. For, good for them. We deserve it. We brought it on ourselves. Well, and I think this, this year has shown us what lasts and what doesn't, you know, when the, when the storm of 2020 came through, 
call it COVID, call it racism, call it politics, election year, call it whatever you want to call it. There was a lot of shaking going on. And, and to be quite honest, not everyone made it out on the other side, you know, standing, but, but to your point, at least in our church, the leaders I see standing are the ones that grew up in a process. They, they, they had roots that went deep in this season and, um, I think there's a lot of wisdom there. Hey, Evan, I want to hear from you on this for a second. What is most special to you about your church's culture of developing leaders? Again, it's not, you know, not, not to paint you or any church as perfect, but I think you have some, some elements of your culture that are special. What would you say those are? Actually, I was thinking about this while Pastor Marcus was talking. What I really appreciate and what he's instilled in our our, our value system here is long runways and going slow with people. Again, leadership around here is not, Hey, sign the, sign up on this form and you're a leader. So I would say like to your question, what's the best leadership development process? It's selection, right? The Bible says, but select from among you capable people that wear your culture well and have your values. And we go very slow. We say, Hey, has this person been in the church a year? Have they been through growth track? Are they in a small group? Are they serving? Are they giving? Do they model what you want to reproduce? So that's what I love so much is we do go very slow with people. Of course, we, we expedite that as well. But um, it is pretty difficult to uh, be in leadership here at Seven Hills. But we, but we like that because all that, that will produce fruit and that will produce people that go through the process and they do the things that you want them to do. They model the Bible well. They model your culture well. And they're going to reproduce that fruit. Um, so that's what I would say. The best leadership development tool you could ever have is selection. Don't elevate people that don't wear you well, that haven't, they're not proven, you know, but they want to come in and lead small groups and they want to lead ministries, but what do they want? They just want position. I've actually found the best leaders are the ones that would never ask for it. And the ones yep. that probably don't think they are good leaders, but they, they, they just love your church. They're vision carriers and they do all the right things. And that's what you want to reproduce. And that's what yep. I found my experience as the small group pastor, but the ones who come in on day one, they've been here three days and they want to lead small groups, instant red flag, go ahead and give them another year timeline. You know, um, you guys are just going to be my new best friends now after this conversation, I can already tell you, you, you are absolutely speaking my language. Um, so we, we haven't done a ton of prep on this, just being, being honest. And, and I want to, I want to flow here on something because you are hitting something I have been thinking so much on in this season. And so speak back to this idea. I feel like the bar has been too low for how we move people into leadership in the local church by and large. I feel like our churches were growing fast. I feel like our focus was on our churches growing fast, opening new locations, starting new ministries, you know, whatever the case. So we needed leaders and the problem is leaders aren't grown, you know, overnight. They're not grown. They're not developed in a microwave. Uh, there's no miracle grow for leaders. Uh, you, you, the leaders you need today, you had to start working on like years ago, potentially. And so I feel like the bar was low, but you're talking about a high bar. I mean, you just said it's difficult to get into leadership, which I have just been so convicted lately that not everyone belongs in those, those places where we put them. I think I understand why we got there, but I think that's been a recalibration for me out of this season is the bar was low. So then when, like we've said already, when the store came, storm came through, that was some of what fell over to me was, was the microwaved 
leader. So I don't know if you want to keep leaning in on that or if you agree or want to push back. But to me, that's been a major observation of, of mine from the local church in North America over the past 12 months. In, in, in our world, it's, pr- it's pretty clear, like Evan said, if you if the most important thing about you is that you're a small group leader, if that's the most important thing in your life, if the most important thing in your life is you're a service leader, then something's wrong. Mm. So that's the first thing that we try to identify is people that are already effective, already successful, already making life happen in their own little pockets of influence. When, when we brought Evan on, they were effective in their own pockets. It wasn't, we were watching them in their own careers, in their own worlds. And then we add on top of that, the opportunities we gave them here and watched how they did with those things. But it should be one of the most cautious things you do to hand influence to somebody because you're giving that person people. Yep. And I have watched over the years, anytime I skip the process, anytime I skip the process, it's not that person that ends up being hurt. It's all those people underneath them. And very rarely does that person go south and someone that you put in their little circle of influence, those people almost always go south too, right? So I would say that the wheat and the tear grow up together. And so once you put that person, then that tear wraps it. And the Bible says, if you uproot the wheat, the tear is uprooted with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a big part of being really, really, really cautious. Because at some point, COVID is going to hit, night's going to hit, and you're going to look out there and be like, how did, how did that happen? And then you're not going to be able to deal with it, and you're going to have to wait it out. Um, it's usually too, too uh, volatile to go straight at it. You know, so then you have to figure out how to politic and play games and minimize damage and risk management. And, you know, like that's what you have to do because you put the wrong person there. And we still do it. Picking leaders, picking leaders is blackjack. Right. Wow. All relationships, all human relationships are a risk. They all are. Yep. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to minimize the risk. The house is stacked against you. Right. Chances are you're not going to pick the right leader, but you can do everything you can to get as close to 21 as you can before you say, okay, let's see what you got. And that's the challenge. And very, but a lot of people are, you know, always saying, hit me. And the, the, the statistics show, the stats show, the facts show that the chances of you winning that flip. It's very rare. Their history proves it. History's got all this math to it that says, hey, when you risk leadership influence on a person, you should get as close to that 21 as you can. And for us, we feel like we, and what what would I say? I would say, even if you're the best in the world at it, you're probably about 80% successful. Sure. But just look at Jesus. I mean, you know, so he's a good example. You know, you're gonna, you're going to pick people that don't work and but overall yeah so good so good uh let me ask you this this would be a big 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 question to me uh is what what does the target look like 
uh, to you for developing leaders? And what comes to mind when I ask that question is maybe are there aspects of your culture that you've designed around leadership development? That'd be maybe one aspect of that, as well as maybe some systems or, or repeated environments uh, that you've put together that you feel like have uh, had some fruit to them when it comes to leaders coming up in your church. E- either one of those things come to mind in terms of a, a right and a healthy target for you for developing leaders. Yeah, I I think a really big, there's probably two big questions and you keep saying it, but I, I don't want someone that's listening to not write these two things down and then answer them. Number one would be, how do I identify future leaders? So how do I identify my future leaders? When I look at my church and I say, I need small group leaders, how do I, where do I go find them? How do I identify them? For us, I could take you back, say 10 years plus, and I would have said, ah, you know, we like meet them in the lobby, talk to them, kind of think they'd be a good small group leader, maybe sit down with them, talk to them about it, make sure that they, you know, believe what we believe we think, you know, and then the person that we had doing the sit down with the people to run them through whatever was the person that we didn't think could do anything else in the church, right? Like there's the staff member that, that for whatever reason, you know, was like, hey, you just go handle this. Go meet with these people and make sure that they check the boxes. And then, you know, that's our small group leader. It's very random. There was no consistent way. Right. That's the key word. There was no consistent way we identified future leaders. So that's the most important thing. So for us, I'll start there. For us, we identify future leaders really three ways. Um, they have to be volunteering. They have to be, if they're not volunteering, we can't identify them. We, we need to see them on team. We need to see them in their social circles. We need to see them, how effective they are in those worlds. That shows us leadership shows us consistency, shows us faithfulness, shows us, uh, shows us so much. Second thing we're looking for is small groups. And what do their small group leaders say about them? So a lot of our leadership pool will come from the small group leaders saying, hey, we think these people would make great future leaders. They don't tell those people they've told us. We ask them, hey, is there anybody that stands out to you? So we're looking for what people that are living with them week in and week out in a small group setting, what they say about them. Then the third thing that we're looking at is we're looking at generosity. And again, for me, it doesn't come to a dollar amount. It just comes to somebody that's consistent and faithful with honoring God. And we have a lot of people that we've found are not necessarily financially where they need to be, that giving may be a struggle and they can prove their faithfulness in other ways. However, um, sometimes a caliber of an individual when it comes to their leadership is seen when something like giving is not a big deal. If giving is a really big deal for you, if that's a hard thing, it's probably showing you're pretty small in your inner world, right? You're probably just small (laughs) and it doesn't, and we need somebody that's big enough to, to build people's lives. So something like giving shouldn't be a hard thing. It shouldn't be something they're trying to get over. It should be a, at this point, that should be something they, they are very um, 
well versed in like giving shouldn't be hard. So giving, serving, using your gifts. So we're going to look at that pool of people and then we're going to choose them. So if somebody comes to us and says, I want to lead there, they probably won't lead for a long time, <laughs> but we, we choose them. And when we choose them, they don't know. We invite them into a leadership development process. They don't know where we're taking them. We don't say, Hey, we're inviting you into a leadership development process. We say, Hey, you kind of stood out to us. We want to spend a little bit more time with you. Um, we have this four week course. It's called Summon Advance. And we just really feel like you would benefit from it. And then that's when we start to really work through. And many times, many times the people that show up at that had no clue. And we're looking that they've been here for a year, at least a year, sometimes longer. Uh, but we're looking that they've been in the church for a while. And if we can get any other things, like they got saved at Seven Hills, that's a big one. Their life was changed here. That's a big one. If they came from another church or they were in leadership at another church, we usually have that slow, that, that slows us down with them. You know, what's the Bible say to not put a novice in a leadership position? The word novice doesn't mean new, like newly saved. It actually means uprooted. So a tree that's small, a plant that's small, its root system isn't big. You can plant that and it's less, it's not likely to get messed with the winds and the storms aren't going to mess with that smaller plant. But you get a tree that's big, it's been around for a little while, and you uproot that, you replant the chances of it surviving when the storms come is not really there. So we just noticed we need to see if you're coming from another church that you've heard from God, you left with peace. We're not judging you. We're not mad at you. We get people move around. But a lot of times, they, they the same reasons they left the last place, they're going to leave your place. The second you give them influence, you know, you're going to lose people. It's well said. It's well said. And I think challenging for all of us, because like, like we've mentioned, we kind of have this warm bodies, you know, uh, temptation at times. And I hope everyone listening hears the intentionality behind what you just said. Uh, let me go to you, Evan, for a second. What are you looking for from the staff and from the team when it comes to leadership development? I guess, how does, how does the team, the staff participate? in this process. Yeah, I think the whole, our whole, you know, staff culture of leadership, I think we're all involved, but you know, again, like pastor said, going super, super slow with people and, and everything he said, I just want to throw a gold nugget out there to anyone that's raising up leaders is most of our top leaders today are people who never asked for leadership and they're people we proactively reached out to, because like he said, they don't have this hole in who they are to be filled with a position or title. They're actually the people that say, no, we're good, just serving, attending, giving. But we say, no, actually, it's because you've never asked for leadership is why you'll be a great leader. 100% of the time, those are the best leaders. Um, and, and also, like you said, I can also say 100% of the time, if a leader struggles with giving, they will not be a good leader. So that's just a couple of nuggets there. But um, our, whole, our whole staff is involved as well as far as watching them. You know, we really do just, we just really watch people, making sure they're in the right group. So if we see someone with potential, we'll want to get them in one of our healthiest groups under leadership and let that leader know, hey, this is someone we see leadership potential in. Can you watch them? Can you start to give them more responsibility in the group? So co-leading is a big deal to also raise up leaders. 
Uh, we won't call them a co-leader. We'll just start to say, hey, can you start to groom these people? So we are pretty um, obsessed with when new families come in or people we think have potential to get them in groups that are healthy. So they don't wander into some random group, uh, you know, because we have a whole spectrum of leaders, but we want to get people with potential in the top groups very quickly. That That's a priority yep. uh, Maybe make this just even even really practical. This is the point I feel like I try to communicate often to staff teams when I when I get the opportunity to share. And that's that I think sometimes we walk out of church on a Sunday. I'm talking about staff members or we walk out of the end of the week and we feel like it was a winning week. If we accomplished our to do list, if we got all of our emails returned, you know, if we got our job done. But what you're talking about observing leaders coaching leaders, you know, you've just said some things and that takes time. I mean, that takes intentional, consistent effort that actually has to be a part of your job. In other words, and maybe just speak back to this event, like your Sunday wasn't a win unless you had a moment where you identified or, or you observed or you coached. I mean, talk, talk to us a bit about how that it's, it's vital that that weaves into the actual flow and job of a team member. Otherwise it just stays as kind of this pipe dream to me out there that we're like you said, Pastor Marcus, a minute ago, we're randomly going to stumble on these brilliant leaders we're looking for, you know? I would say one thing we started this year that's uh, been super helpful is a motto. We just said, hey, one family at a time. How are we going to grow a great church? One family at a time. Don't think of we got 50 new guests this week and we always think in big numbers and just names on a spreadsheet. Who did you meet that you can get connected into growth track or into a small group? Meaningful conversations now every week when we meet people on the weekend, the staff is actually following up with meaningful conversations and instantly thinking what team could they serve on what group? Who could they connect with? So we're not delegating that to just people, random volunteers making phone calls. We are identifying them, coming up with like almost like profiles, so to speak, and trying to get them connected very quickly. Um, of course, we want them to come back, but we know like the meaningful connection will exponentially increase their uh, rate of returning. So the value system of what was a great weekend, of course, the numbers and the metrics are awesome, but who did you meet this week? And how are you going to take that one family and progress them into the life of the church? Uh, and over time, one family at a time, that's how we'll build a great church. Because you can get just confused in the abyss of uh, mass numbers and hundreds or whatever. But hey, just one family at a time. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Question for either of you. If you were if you're starting over today in uh, building a leadership development, whatever word you want to use, pipeline, process, system, um, if you were starting over today, what was, what would be the first thing you would do in terms of beginning that journey in your church? Well, you know, it's, it's steps, right? So the first thing I would do is say, do you have real clear steps to repeat, like, you know, a path? So do you have a clear path? Someone comes into your church and they said, Hey, I want to lead. What's their path? You know, what, what, it, what is it? So Inside of that path, you should have steps, you know, you should have ways for, to, to, for people to arrive at something. And at that point, you can start to watch them. So for us, that step is volunteering or small groups. So uh, team up or group up is a way that we say it around here. So inside of when we pull up leaders, we don't pull them up from meeting them at church on a Sunday. We pull them up from dream team. Yep. We pull them up from inside of the areas they're already serving. If you, if you walked around here, Evan was a part of our church 
If you went to meet our youth pastor, he got saved when he was 16. Uh, if you went to go meet uh, our children's pastor, he was, you know, went through our internship program too. If you, if you just spent any time around here, you would, I think, meet one person that they were not raised up within Seven Hills out of 50 or so staff members. So, and again, we're not talking about staff, we're talking about what would I do? What, what I would do is make sure I have a clear path for how people get in any pocket of influence. So they say, well, growth track, growth track is what I do. Okay, but make sure growth track that that's what you do. For us, for example, when people show up, we know who those people are. There's leaders at tables. Um, we're intentionally thinking stage of life. Uh, we're intentionally thinking who are we setting down at what tables so that there's people actually meeting these people, thinking through what table they should go to. What's the point? The point is that those leaders at those tables are going to start communicating to us what their experience was at their table. Was there a troubled person? Was there a person that caused problems? So summit for us or a growth track for us is not the place we just identify future leaders. It's also it's a funnel. Yep. It's a place we're going to clean things out. We're, we're, we're not just trying to find what about someone is good that we want to choose. We're actually trying to find, is there any red flags in anybody that went through that room that would help us basically withdraw from putting them into a, so I think a lot of people think that I'm trying to look for what do I like about someone before I put them in leadership? You know, do we both like UK? You know, do we both like the Seattle Seahawks? You like the Seattle Seahawks? I like the Seattle Seahawks. Oh my God. Like, I can't believe this. You should lead a small group. <laughs> no, instead you should not care about whether you gel, whether you like the Seattle Seahawks or, or whether you like to, to do photography or whatever it is that you like. <laughs> You should be identifying what about this person should I be worried about when it comes to leadership? And you should wow. dig really, really hard at finding that. So the first step is a growth track. I think that's a, that's a no brainer, some type of fundamental you can know, know that. And then what's the step after that? Of course, for us, we're looking for them to make the jump to team up or group up. And then at that point, it's the process of waiting and hand selecting. Jesus didn't go to a crowd you know, and try to, no, he, he went one at a time, you follow me. And what did he wait? He wait, wanted Andrew. So Andrew found him through John the Baptist, right? Mm. Andrew, Peter found Jesus through Andrew, right? So there's this, mm. there's this behind the scenes things we're not seeing where, where Andrew's saying, Hey, I really think my brother would be really good. This is why he's a little rough around the edges, but I really think you would speak to him. I really think he, there's a lot in so there's all that stuff going on and that don't happen. You don't mass produce this kind of stuff. So you have to have all these places that are like leadership nurseries. So summit uh, in uh, small groups, youth ministry, all these places are leadership nurseries. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. My mind is spinning. So I got to stay focused here real quick. Also the time, the time and energy you invest up front, although it's along a runway for us, it far outweighs, you know, um, expediting the process and the damage done on the backside by not selecting people that should be in leadership far outweighs it. I mean, it, it you spend so putting out fires. Oh yeah. It's just running around, I mean, trying to work through it slow is fast when it comes to leadership. Yes. 
Yeah, my, my pastor, I mean, for years has used some version of the phrase hire slow, fire quick, you know, that that and, and I know we're, we're not talking about a paycheck when we're talking about leadership development, but on slow off quick has kind of been one motto we've had around here that has served us well, because you're right, you can mitigate a lot on the front end. I always hate questions where it's like, you know, tell me the number one quality you're looking for in a leader, you know, because I, I know it's a little more nuanced than that. So maybe I'll give you three, but, uh, you know, w- give me a couple of top qualities. I, I've heard you say words like faithfulness. I've heard you sprinkle in some things, but maybe just paint a target like like top couple um, things you're looking for in people when you're observing them. I want, I want to see, a hunger, I want to see a hunger for God. You know, I don't want to see someone thrown into leadership and they don't worship. Hmm. You know, they're not hungry for the, the scriptures. You know, they, I, I want to see somebody that's hungry for God. That's one. Um, two, I want to see somebody that's humble. So know-it-alls, uh, we avoid that. Yeah. Somebody that's humble, somebody that's teachable. And then, and then the final thing is just be kind. You know, if you're, if you're a jerk, we avoid you. Can you be nice? Can you just be nice? Can you just be, can you just be a cool person? You know, and I, there's probably other words we could use for that, but if, if they love Jesus, but they're just, they're just, they're punks. No, we avoid that. You know, again, we don't, we don't, we know different personalities are what they are, but you know what I'm saying? Like some people, you know, you just wonder, like, why did somebody give them a leadership? Like, they're actually a horrible person when you meet them. <laughs> like, they're they're just like they're just a horrible human being. So, can you get just to being a, a decent human being right? That's kind of part of our thing a little bit. I know this is like really like crazy, mind blowing, mind blowing. But can you you know what, what, do you get along with people? Yeah, someone who wants to come in and teach a bunch of lessons and they know the Bible front to back, that's probably someone you actually don't want leading. I'd someone, I would rather have someone that models culture well than knowledge, uh, 10 out of 10. So, uh, And then we have the basic four Gs around here, their commitment to growth, of course, coming and their personal growth groups, gifts, which is serving, and then, of course, giving. Another big one is giving. I can't harp that enough. Anyone out there that's watching, uh, I would even pull your top 100 giving uh, units if you have that access or whatever. Many of those people probably aren't in leadership, but probably should be because they're showing you faithfulness, their generosity. That's a big big one, right? Where your treasure is there, your heart will be awesome. It's hunger again. It's hunger. Yeah, it shows hunger. Guys, this has been really, really rich and really good. I could probably talk to you for two more hours here on this. Uh, but I, um, you've given me a lot to think about today. Of course, we're trying to do everything we can to help churches right now. Uh, but I'm sure you've given everyone listening today a lot to think about. So I just want you to know we love you and we value this very, very much. I want to land the plane um, a little bit back on a current note, though. And um, I just want to ask you before we close out today, what and I'll let each of you uh, go on this. Maybe, maybe Evan, you can go first, and Pastor Marcus will end with you. What would be your greatest prayer for the local church in this season? I know that's a broad question, but um, what, what are you what are you praying we take away and move forward with out of this season? Actually, a word j- did just come to mind. I would just say courage, like he said. You know, we can get so caught up and so um, uh, stifled and so paralyzed by everything. 
you know, just push through it. Just keep going, do all that you can do. And God will do the rest. God will bless any effort towards him, towards reaching people. He'll equip us. He'll supply us. So take courage to attend, take it where it needs to be to keep moving forward, keep the vision hot. You know, people want to be a part of something. They don't want excuses or, well, this is going on. That's going on. Who cares? Just do all that you can do. So my biggest prayer was it would be for courage for people to just keep moving forward full, full steam. Ahead. Keep the vision hot. You sprinkled that in there. That is so good. That is so good. I think someone needed to hear that. Keep the vision hot. Uh, I love it. Pastor Marcus, I'll give you the last word here. I, I would agree. I would agree with Evan when he said courage. I was, I was laughing because I, I, that was the word I had. And, you know, I was listening to a John Maxwell podcast recently, and he said, um, only you can open the courage door. So if you think of a, if you think of a door and this door has one doorknob on it, and it's not on the outside of the door, it's on the inside of the door. Only you can open the courage door. No one can open it for you. I can't open it for you. And the reason this is so important in leading through all this is because you can't stand behind the crowd and yell charge. Right? You have to get out in front of them and because leadership is not just some verbal, right? It's visual. When you yell charge, they have to not just hear you say it, they have to see you model the way that you're running to the battle first. And that's what inspires people. Fear is contagious and correct courage is contagious. It's like a domino thing. If you give fear a seat, in your church, then that seat, that, it'll be a row of fear. And then it'll be a section of fear. And then it'll be, you know, a whole, then it'll be the whole places. But if you give courage a seat, oh, same thing. Courage will take the row, then it'll take the section, then it'll take the church. And then, of course, we can go from there out into our communities and, and hopefully, hopefully world. It's, it's, a, it's a good day, man. It's a good day. It's the day we've been born for. What did David say? He said, the Bible says he served his generation and then he fell asleep. Why did he serve his generation? It's the only generation he could serve. This is it, guys. <laughs> this is all we got. This is our generation. Can't serve a generation 30, 40, 50 years ago. Can't serve the one in the future. This is what we got. Wow. And so we serve it. We serve it in their sin. We serve it if they're on the left politically, on the right politically. We serve it no matter what is going on. Our job is to to serve them and do what we can do. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for filling us with some courage there at the end. Love you guys so much. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond.com. And join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.